Welcome to Tiki Central Canada. Ever wonder what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and God, get me a drink now. Here's your hosts, Craig, Paula, and Mark, and their wacky views in drinks, life, and maybe information. Hey folks, hey, how's it going? It's Craig here from Tiki Central Canada. I'll be your bartender, mixologist, and hopefully information for the hour. See how it goes. And yes, we are via internet. Unfortunately, we do not have Paula with us today because she's in Hawaii. Oh, so jealous. Yeah, she's in Hawaii. She's doing lots of quotations research uh, on some drinks there, uh, the Disney location, and some other places. Donna Beachcombers uh, Marketplace as well as another place. Mark gave her basically a list of places to go, and she's hitting every single one of them and sending us pictures. And yes, we are jealous of the uh, the fact, but hey, Mark will get there soon. Mark is on his screen with me. How are we doing, Mark? We're doing okay. Yeah, she actually sent us a photo from the show we did a few weeks back from the Royal Hawaiian. She was ah. sitting there, sitting there at their whole, at their mai tai bar on the beach. Oh, not jealous at all here. Oh no, yes. no, no. <laughs> That's right. No. You know, for the drinks that we didn't make for her, I think she's probably catching up. I think she's uh, surpassed us now in all the drinks that she's supposed to have drinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get a re- we'll get a report from her when she gets back. That's right. Well, how the Paula's adventures? We'll yeah. sure for sure we'll uh, get to all the we'll dig her brain for all the information she got from that. I'm sure she's gathering information and being doing a lot of research. Like I said, her and Justin. Uh, well, because it's actually her first time in Hawaii, so of course you know, anytime you go to a first place, you're gonna go crazy, right? And you're gonna go knee deep and check all the details out and all the places to, to go find out. And again, like Mark said, he he gave her a list of things to go track out. So. She's been doing that for us and uh, sending back information and some pictures to us so we know exactly what's going on. And again, Mark will be there soon in August to September, I think, Mark, for you? End of September. There we go. So Mark is excited. He'll also do some new adventures and check out some new scenes. Because the last yeah. time here was the last time you were there, Mark? Oh, my child was in grade six. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's been a while. Yes. The, uh, yes, it's been quite a few years. So I think this is why you really have to go to places twice. You go there the first time to see things, and you go back the second time to see what you missed. That's true. It's kind of like when you see a movie. You know, you see a movie for the first time, and then you go back and watch it the second time. You kind of pick up on some things you didn't see in the first time you watched the movie. Yeah, absolutely. By the uh, way, yeah. before we uh, start recording here, uh, me and Mark were chatting. Mark saw the new Batman movie. What did you think of the new Batman well, as I'm sitting in the Batcave surrounded by nothing but Bat memorabilia, I thought it was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things you said in the conversation we had was that it was more focused on Gotham than the actual characters itself. Yeah, it's a typical DC thing kind of thing as opposed to the Marvel Universe, which is very, very character-oriented and character-centered. Uh, DC tends to – well, the problem with DC in movie-wise – the, the the villains are more cerebral, right? They're always planning mm. stuff. And it's hard to put planning stuff in a movie. Yes, right? that's true. Right. 
And so the the characters come across, especially if you see some of them, they try to make them more physical and they're mm-hmm. not physical. Like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as uh, Mr. Freeze. Yes. In the comics, Mr. Freeze is this, he's not an action hero by any stretch of the imagination. He's a yes. scientist. So a scientist isn't going to go kapow, right? That's yep. a good example. But this movie here seemed to be based on the history of Gotham and the underbelly of Gotham and how the character was formed and how other characters were formed and how the city itself formed the different characters in the various things. So it's, yeah, it's, that way it's kind of cool as opposed to just look, bad guy. Ooh, thunk, you know, <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> uh, one of the things I actually want to point out to you and you just mentioned was that, and this movie, the Riddler actually is not someone who's muscular in any way. He's a very small character. I mean, physically wise, he's not a very big guy. He's very small. Yeah, well, well, none of the, except for a couple of the character villains in Batman, most of them aren't. Yes. Most of them are all scheming. They're all schemers. That's it. Yeah, like Heath Ledger. You know, planning? (laughs) I look like I have a plan. No, these guys, yeah, they're planners, they're schemers. And it comes across well in the written or drawn world, but it's really difficult to put that in movies generally. Yes. Yeah, so they actually did a pretty good job of it as as well, because I saw it as well. So, yeah, go check it out, folks, The Batman. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Put it in the comments. Anyway, so uh, let's go on to the show. I mean, we're not here to talk about Batman. We're here to talk about cocktails, of course. I could talk about Batman for hours. And you probably have your own podcast, so if you're a Batman. That's what you could do. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking about today, then, Craig? So today we're going to be talking about the pain colada. So it sounds like pina colada. It sounds like painkiller. So but it's actually painkillada. So I'm assuming it's a spinoff of the painkiller. Yes. So basically what it is, is that one of the channels that I go to and uh, we suggested on the last show, we'll do again this show, is a YouTube channel called Distinguished Spirits. And what it is, is this guy did an amazing job of doing some research on every one of these cocktails that he presents. Uh, the production value is amazing. He breaks down every single ingredient, what you need, what tools you'll need, how to make it, what's the garnish, what's the history of the drink. And so this is actually his own little spinoff of a painkiller uh, infused basically with a pina colada. It's exactly how, what he did. So the painkiller, we did a show on that, or you did a show on that many, many years ago. Yeah, it seems like forever. Yeah. I know. And, like, geez. and um, so can you give us a recap for those that haven't watched it or listened to it yet? Sure. I know it seems like almost like a prison sentence when I think back to like when we actually did the painkiller, which is on the first season. So yeah, it's been a while. But anyways, yeah, so I'll give you some recap on the painkiller. So the painkiller is actually created in the Soggy Dollar Bar, which is in Voice Van Dyke, British Virgin Islands. So it's a drink that was basically created by George and Marie Maverick. Uh, and so in the 1970s, what ended up happening is that Pooser's Rum was actually stopped being served to the British Navy. So the British Navy had they were giving out rations since the 1500s to 1970. Every single day, the sailors would get two rations. And it was actually when they stopped giving the rations out to them, it was actually known as Black Tot Day, which if you go back into some of our other episodes, we talk about it. And actually one episode I know we talked about with Black Tot Day. And so the rum actually was not sold to the general public, but this actually now, because of stopping giving it to the Navy, was an opportunity to sell it to the public and generate some revenue for the sailors for the retirement fund. So every time you buy a Pooster's bottle of rum, actually a bunch, bunch, some of that money goes towards the British Navy Retirement Fund. So sponsor your Navy. Anyways, uh, so a decade later, the painkiller actually changed its recipe and used this rum instead. 
two times throughout the recipe, it actually changes rum. And finally, this is the one they settled on. And so if you actually make a painkiller and put it on your menu, let's say, example, if you're at a tiki bar and you see painkiller, they have to make it with Pooster's rum. That is the the, 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 the copyright, the, what do you want to call it? The uh, copyright to it so basically means that you have to use that rum to name it that drink. So the soggy dollar, why is it called the soggy dollar? Well, the thing about the soggy dollar is that there's no dock there. It's only the beach. And so the only way you can get to the soggy dollar is basically you get to a point where you get towards near the shore and then you have to swim your way to the beach to get to the bar. And of course, back then there was no uh, credit cards or debit machines. And so you only had cash and you put that in your pocket, you swim to shore. So therefore, soggy dollar. Uh, also, too, it's one of the few places in the world, and I think I mentioned this before when we talked about Saki Dollar, that actually has a webcam that goes broadcasts on their website via live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And one of the other things I like about this place, too, is actually it features the famous ring game, which I've mentioned before on the, the show. The ring game is a game that's uh, basically, yes, obviously deals with the ring. It's a great time, pastime. Uh, check it out on Amazon. There are some kits you can buy or some little versions of the ring game you can buy. It's a really cool pastime, especially when you're drinking in your backyard or having a cheeky little get together. It's a great pastime. So yes, it's one of the things that's featured at this bar is the ring game. So I know what's in this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let the listeners know what the ingredients are for this uh, version of the painkiller. All right. So the painkillada. So what you're going to use, you two and a half ounces of Navy strength rum. Pooster's rum, of course, is the one that they use on the, the show. Uh, you can use any Navy strength rum if you want to. If you don't have access to Navy strength rum, then obviously a dark rum or some sort of aged rum. You don't want to use a white rum because you're going to lose some of the characters that you're going to get from these rums. Example, Mark, what exactly Navy Strength Rum did you use for this one? I have a couple of bottles left of uh, Smith & Cross, the Jamaican rum. And it's a nice. It's the same strength as the uh, Navy Strength. And it works. I'll tell you that right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, Booze Ford is Mark saying. And of course, for this one, it's very Booze Ford. I think you were telling me before. Yeah, I had to be careful because I made Linda one as well. And uh, I used just uh, the regular bussers. And uh, she liked it. So, well, <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to like any version of the painkiller. There you go. So, yes. So, two and a half ounces of Navy Strength Rum, three ounces of pineapple juice, one ounce of coconut cream. So, right there, you basically got yourself a pina colada. So, that's what that part is. One ounce of cinnamon syrup. Uh, we'll give you guys a link for that. It's very simple to make that. Simple syrup, basically, with uh, infusion of cinnamon. And one ounce of tangerine juice. So, Mark, what did you exactly use for this one? Did you find a tangerine juice or did you find something close to it? No, I did not find anything close to it. But what I did use was I used a generic orange juice, um, what do you call it, Tetra Pak. And it doesn't taste anything like orange juice. So that one. Ah, so there we go. Sometimes you might not have the exact ingredient, but you can substitute it with something that's close to it, if not very similar to it. Exactly. There's sometimes we've had this, we said that in the show, we said that we're like, you know, if you don't get the exact ingredient, just find something close and relatively close to it. Yeah. Sorry, Mark, what are you going to say? It's very good. Ah, well, very good. It's, it, you know, any, uh, it seems anything with a coconut cream in it, or cream of coconut, rather, is really good. I don't know yeah, why. I, just like to, I like the two that has got the cinnamon in there, so it gives a bit of a kick. Yeah, the cinnamon syrup really does make a difference. And uh, once again, well. It's gone. <laughs> Fortunately, you made two drinks today. There we go. Did I make this properly? Let us know how you did it. Okay, so you're going to shake it with ice. Uh, you're going to fill a tiki mug or a rocks glass with crushed ice. I then need to double strain the drink into the glass. 
You're going to grate this with fresh nutmeg generously over the top. And then obviously you can do a garnish of a pineapple ring and a pineapple fond. Frond is the base of the, the leaves on the pineapple at the very top. Kind of gives a really nice kind of a tropical look. The fresh nutmeg, I do recommend that. Not getting the, this, the stuff out of the bakery area and your, your grocery store, like the, the little glass containers of nutmeg out of the baking area. I suggest like fresh nutmeg if you can and using a grinder or um, what did we talk? We call that again? It was a little grater. Little grater, yes. You can get the hand ones. Yes. Like uh, they got the handle and the long stem on it, as it were. They work well. The people use those for a lot of things. But you can get these little tiny ones. They're about a buck and they have different sides on them. What I do is I just keep my nutmeg, little ball of nutmeg inside it. Ah, okay. So it's always ready to go and you just, and it's done. And uh, you can go to any of your bulk or uh, kitchen store or whatever, or grocery store and get uh, little uh, full nutmegs for uh, next to nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think of the thing in this video, which we'll give you guys a link to it as well for this drink. He does suggest the fresh nutmeg because when you go to bring your nose to the drink, you can smell the fresh nutmeg being uh, the top of the drink. So that was one of the things he said. Uh, also, too, one of the things in the video I heard on the video was that painkiller is not often seen in tiki menus anymore these days. Now, Mark, obviously being to a lot of tiki bars, is this true in some ways that the, the painkiller is not a featured item? Yeah, until it's actually pointed out to you. Yeah, I think it is true. I don't see, especially, uh, uh, we'll call it quote-unquote traditional tiki bars. I think they're trying to get the classics like the uh, Three Dots and a Dash and Zombies and stuff like that. So the painkiller isn't one of the traditional classic tiki drinks, so it's not generally included. But they're so good, I'm starting to see them. Like the uh, Shameful Tiki in Toronto, they have a, a version of the uh, the painkiller now. All kinds of places are getting now. I think they're catching up to uh, the fact that this is such a good drink and everybody loves them. Exactly. Because the bars, like you said, are now looking at more modern drinks as well. Do you also find, too, that if you do see a painkiller on a menu, is it like sort of like, you know, like we talked about with the Mai Tai, is it like their version of the painkiller? In other words, have they altered the original recipe? Yeah, because as you said earlier, if you don't have a certain type of rum, it's theoretically uh, trademark that you have to use it. And so especially in some places where you can't get that particular rum, you have to call it something else. Ah, so there we go. Good, good to know. Craig's creation. Now this was a, um, this is kind of cool. <laughs> Unlike it's the gone. last one. <laughs> yeah, this one this one makes noise. The other one didn't make so much noise. So what is this drink called? All right. So this drink is actually called the Blue Fusion. This is a new cocktail. Actually, it's going to be on my menu at my location. It was actually generated over the winter when we were thinking about different cocktails for the summertime. And uh, it's been actually on my list. This recipe has been altered probably two or three times. And finally, I got it narrowed down to exactly what we have on this recipe. I like it. There we go. By the way, before we go any further. <laughs> And Linda liked it too, right? Yeah, she likes it a lot. So I might have to be toddling down to the, the clock tower. So, <laughs> so what exactly? Oh, I, I know what's in it. Tell the tell the listeners what's in it. Okay, so in this drink, you're going to use one ounce of spiced rum. I have used a Captain Morgan spiced rum. And again, I have to ask Mark, what spiced rum did you use for this one? Well, once again, trying to flog the local distillers. We have a distiller here called North of Seven. And they have a spiced rum. It's not overly spiced. It tastes a little bit like Christmas, something like a, you know, something you put in an eggnog or something like that. And so that's the spice rum that I used. Ah, uh, nice. Because I know there's some spice rums out there that are, like example, like I got one from Havana Club. And it's not a great spice rum because what it is that they infuse the spice after the distillery process. 
So in other words, they made like white rum and then just infused it with spices. Where usually in spiced rum, like the Captain Morgan's one or the one that Mark's talking about, North 7, I guarantee it that the spices are actually added during the, the fermentation process and the distillery process. So you get a better product out of it altogether. Yeah. And I also probably wouldn't use a Kraken on this because the vanilla would just make it a completely different drink. Ah, good, good note. There we go. Some good advice on that one. So no Kraken on this one. So then the other things you got in here are going to be the half ounce of blue carousel. Uh, I use the McGinnis. There's also the bowls as well. No big deal about that one. If you're actually using real carousel from carousel, you are going to get a, not as sweetest taste in this one. So you might want to add some simple syrup to it to, to soften it up. Half ounce of vanilla bean syrup. Now this one, basically vanilla bean syrup is ones we talked about before. You can get it any fishy coffee shop or we'll give you guys a recipe on how to make vanilla bean syrup. It's not that difficult. Mark, you talked about, I mean, you talked about this vanilla bean syrup before in a conversation. And what was your suggestion to this? Well, I used to make my own because that's what we do, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you can get the vanilla beans, although they're quite pricey. You can get them at a reasonable price at Costco. However, I noticed that the uh, Loblaws, uh, once again, the president's choice or choix du président, <laughs> now have their own vanilla bean syrup. And it's chock full of vanilla beans. You can see them in there. Oh, wow. And it's pretty reasonable in price, too. So it's like, there you go. You can head down to a Loblaws or your independent or your superstore or whatever and be able to pick some up there, yeah, which is nice for a change instead of having to try and find a specialty coffee shop. Exactly. And one of the things I also want to point out to you guys as well is that, yes, we're going to give you guys a recipe to make that at home if you want to. But the shelf life on that is going to be a lot shorter than if you go buy it like we're talking about at the grocery store or especially coffee shop, because they put some sort of uh, basically preserves in there to basically make it last longer. So yes, you can make your own. The only thing is the shelf life is shorter. So that's the only downside to that one. The other ingredients in this is going to be a half ounce of lime juice. I figured I had to add some uh, little bit of sour in there to kind of balance out the sweetness that's in this whole thing. And then top it off with lemonade. Now, did I make this one properly by shaking it, stirring it? What did I do? So you shook all the ingredients except for the lemonade. You strain that into a Collins glass. The Collins glass should be about 10 to 12 ounces around there. Fill it up with fresh ice. You, so you strain it into that. You got to top it off with lemonade. And then I garnish mine with an orange wedge and a cherry on a skew. A uh, skew. Yes, skew. Okay, here, here's a Paula question I was, when I was making this. When you say top up with something, how much are you talking? Okay, so like I said, the Collins glass should be about 10 to 12 ounces in size. Uh, some people have noticed that when I make them, give them the recipes, they have these gigantic 20-ounce glasses or hurricane glasses they're using as well. The problem with that is that, yes, yeah, so you can top it up with lemonade, but then you're adding more lemonade and you're losing all the factors, all the other ingredients. So your lemonade shouldn't be any more than, I'd say, between two and four ounces. That's what you're looking at for basically the lemonade. Anything more than that, you're going to kind of lose everything else that's in there. So when you taste it, Mark, what exactly are you tasting? I'm just curious. I'm tasting the uh, the spice is there, but not really powerful. Mm -hmm. But I'm tasting a lot of the lemonade. And uh, so it's almost like a, a blue lemonade with the uh, with a bit of a kick. So I like it. There we go. Right? And it sounds good. See? It can be really annoying at the table with it. <laughs> Is that what you're telling the bartender? I need another round. <laughs> oh, bartender. Oh, bartender. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, one of the things I got feedback from it actually was that uh, one, it tasted like a freezy, Mr. Freezy, the cream soda freezy. Mark, you mentioned uh, when we were talking about this drink off, off mic about the rocket popsicle. Yeah, I had these popsicles when I was a kid there. This is how old I am. And they were red, white, and blue. I don't think they're for the British Ensign, but what the heck. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the bottom level was blue. And it tasted kind of like that. There we go. And, uh, yeah, they can be very dangerous because you know, they go down very quick. So, yes. Do remember, folks, there are alcohol in there. So, drink responsibly, please. Yes. Please. Did you know? Probably not this week because I see what you're talking about. Okay. So, uh, this is actually an interesting topic that I probably would never talk about on the show. But to me, kind of hit home. So, we just came past this weekend where we actually had to change our clocks because due to daylight savings time. So, uh, to move our clocks, spring them forward. And I don't know you, Mark, but I, I, I'm always like, I never know when this is. I always hear that on the radio or someone at work tells me or some guy in the news tells me. And the same thing in the fall. I'm always like confused about like, when does it happen? What do I do? When does it happen exactly? What time is it on Saturday night? Is it Sunday morning? Like it just is very confusing for some people. And they're all they're not quite sure. Like, why are we doing this? Is there any benefits to it? Is there any not benefits like cons to it? So I figured, you know what, let me do some research on this and find out exactly what's all about daylight savings time. So I'm sure you're like me when you're growing up. It's it, You never remember when this happens. It just kind of happens. Yeah, well, I, it's kind of drilled into us now. It's like when it's happening, don't forget, don't forget. But uh, it still messes me up both ways. It's just like I'm finally getting used to how much light there is in the morning or how much darkness there is at night. And then all of a sudden this happens and I'm like, all right, I have no idea. Recalibrate, recalibrate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your GPS. Okay, recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still messed up from last weekend. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's the thing, folks. I mean, I'm sure for everybody out there, it's the same thing. It takes for me at least two or three days to kind of readjust. You know, it does throw off my sleeping pattern a little bit, right? And the funny thing is, actually, I'm usually off both Sundays. So I shouldn't be thrown off, but I am. I don't know why. Anyway, so let's give you some information about daylight savings time. Um, or some places they call it summertime. It is a practice of advancing clocks, typically one hour during warmer months, so that the darkness falls on a later clock time. It was implemented to basically spring forward during the spring and then fall back in the fall. And the idea was to actually align the waking hours of the daylight hours to conserve candles. And it was first proposed by Benjamin Franklin. Uh, unfortunately, of course, everyone kind of laughed at him going, what? You want us to change our clocks? What? So it didn't happen at that time. So in 1907, though, a British resident named William Willnett uh, presented the idea of a way of saving energy. They figured that we'd be doing more activities when there's more sun. So in the summertime, obviously, yes, we're outside more often. We're doing more things. And we're not going to bed when the sun's still up, which is funny because I remember as a kid, probably about five or six, my bedtime, I think, was like 839 and in the summertime, I would fight with my dad, tooth and nail. I don't know how many times we're like, dad, the sun is still up. Why am I going to bed? This is throwing me out of whack. I don't understand. Why am I going to bed when the sun's still up? And I'm sure, Mark, when you're growing up, you kind of had the same kind of experience. Yeah, it always messed me up. I was just, I lived, I grew up just a little bit farther north and it was so late or light uh, later on in the evening after this. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like to live up north, north where it's light for like 11 hours or 23 hours a day. It was just like, it's, it's got to be so weird. Yeah. It's got to be cool though. That's got to be weird. 
Well, yeah. So in up north, basically, he's talking about in like the Northwest Territories example. They have six months of sun, where it's twenty three hours of sun, and then six months of darkness, where you only see the sun for about an hour, right along the edge of the of the horizon. And there's actually a, a movie called uh, Insomnia, I think it's called. Robin Williams is the bad guy, and Al Pacino basically he's a good guy, and of course Robert Williams is playing is playing with him because he calls him up and like, hey, having a hard time sleeping, can't get any sleep because his son is out all night all day, so it throws him off, obviously. Mid of winter, and it's just like, ah, oh, God, I have no idea what day it is, let alone what time I should go to bed. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. I think for me too, in the winter time, it would throw me off because if you got a detention at school. Uh, I don't know if you had this experience. If you got detention at school, you would come out and it'd be dark. So you're just like, okay, you feel like it'd be later because like, okay, it's dark. Even though it's only an hour, that was all it was. So, okay. So what it is is that they also figured that the wintertime, people do less activities. So therefore, set the clocks back. So then basically the darkness comes a little faster. And that way you're actually spending more time when the sun is up. Now, the funny thing is actually, you know, we talk about this and you think that farmers are the ones that actually love daylight savings time. They actually are the ones that hate daylight savings time because what it is is that during the summer, that means that they have to bring their product to the market faster and earlier. And it kind of cuts into the chores that they would normally do during the morning. So they're not a big fan of that. But let's go back to some more of the history. So starting on April 30th, 1916, the German Empire were the first nationwide implementation of the of basically daylight savings time. Now they were actually weren't the first place that it actually took place daylight savings time. Port Arthur, Ontario, Canada. That's right, us Canadians was the first city in the world to actually use daylight savings time, July first, nineteen oh eight. It soon was followed by Orilla, Ontario, another Canadian city, introduced by catch this name Mark William Sword Frost. Now, we're just talking about Batman. Is that not a Batman character right there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or a fantasy novel or something. William Sword Frost. That's awesome. Yeah, and he was a mayor uh, from 1911 1912. And practiced observing daylight saving times was introduced in the States. wasn't until 1918 when the Standards Time Act was enacted by the Congress. So when is daylight savings time? Again, this is one of the ones, like, like I said, which I was just talking about. I don't never know when it is. So here's when actually it is. It's the second week of March. Uh, we spring ahead. And for the fall, it's the first week of November that falls back. Funny is that the fall part changed. It used to be in October, but the candy companies in the States insisted that they wanted Halloween to be the longest time they can for kids to go and gather candy in their neighborhoods and trick-or-treat. So the government said, fine, okay. We'll make it the first week of November then. Oh, my God. The candy companies actually forced the government to change the day. <laughs> no kickbacks there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eh? Boy, talk about power saying, no, no, we insist. <laughs> now, what would happen if we actually we got rid of daylight savings timing? Because this is a conversation that's still going on through the government and word of mouth, always hearing all the time, like, hey, there's, there's something they're eventually going to get rid of it because now we actually don't really need it. One of the things that they looked into was, and this is, I didn't realize this, actually less strokes and heart attacks and severe car accidents. So I guess because when you do time change, people's sleeping what? patterns, yeah, people's sleeping patterns change and therefore it actually causes more chances of stroke and heart attacks. Did not know that. I did not know that. And also too, severe car accidents because obviously people are now disoriented. They're going to work maybe a little earlier or a little later. They're 
they're falling asleep and it, yeah, it's falling asleep and because it's pitch blackout. Exactly. When the day before it was bright. Exactly. It's throwing them off. <laughs> uh, also, too, some religions might not be too happy if we got rid of it because the Jewish and Muslims attend daily prayer services at their synagogues based on the sunrise and sunset. So for them, it might be an advantage to get rid of it because then that way they can just basically work on sunset and sunrise. It is true. Like when you think of daylight savings time, and I'm sure like the first day or two for you, Mark, you said the same thing. It's like also you get up at a certain time and the sun is out. All of a sudden you get up and this it's not sunny yet. And you're like, am I waking up in the middle of the night? Am I like you get kind of disoriented. You're kind of not quite sure what time it is. After a while, I just wake up at a certain time because of the amount of light coming in the room. And then I can get adjusted as the year goes by. But all of a sudden, it's just like, ah, I'm, I'm messed <laughs> up. I'm still messed up, like I said. Yeah. I have no idea. Then I lose what day it is. Oh, my God. That's it. It's because of age, Mark, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I'm on my third uh, Blue Fusion. Uh, I know you, but also, too, like, it drives me crazy because, yes, our laptops and our phones make the adjustment. But things like your clocks in your house, your car, which is one of the ones that drives me crazy because I'll get in the car the first day and like, oh, wait, that's wrong. Right. It's an hour later. Right. Okay. Like you get thrown off. And I'm sure like you even said on your car, you have to make an adjustment. Yeah. Okay. My car is a bit older, but it tells me when I can get an oil change. It should tell me, it should automatically change my clock. That's true. Mine does the same thing. It tells me when I should do an oil change or inflate my tires or all that stuff, but it never changes the clock. That's so funny. Well, I suppose because a lot of places don't have to do this feature. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so in Canada, it's uh, Saskatchewan, I think we figured out, was the one that doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, in the States, I know it's Hawaii and Arizona. They don't change the time clocks either. Now, here's the funny thing, because I used to live in Nova Scotia. So if you live in Nova Scotia and you're watching CBC, there'll be the time of the show. So let's say like news is on at 6 p.m. Newfoundland is half a time zone. So you'll see on the news, they'll say, you know, Maritime Times, 6 p.m. CBC News, or Newfoundland Times, 6.30. So they actually have a half time zone in Newfoundland. Of course, go figure, it's Newfoundland. I think the uh, generality is that we don't like it. No, it's and again, like in most parts, I don't think we really need it. Because like I said, it used to be for, I mean, they know they say every year we save millions of dollars in electricity because of it. But clearly, the excuse of the farmer thing is not legit because they're the ones that actually don't want to change. And actually, a lot of farmers don't change their clocks when actually they're supposed to change them. They actually keep the time the exact same year round because of their marketing and like they do the chores in the morning and when the sun comes up. So they yeah, don't change their clocks. They get up when the sun comes up in theory, right? They don't use a clock. Exactly. Or when the, the rooster crows. There we go. That's what I was okay. trying to find. Okay. Those things crow all the time. All right. This, yeah. If you go to Maui or Key West, there's chickens everywhere. It's like, or they, uh, I won't use the word over the podcast. They're everywhere. Yes. Chickens. Yes. And uh, just run them over. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like you're saying, it's, it's, that's a myth. The rooster crow thing. Yeah. They're out two in the morning, two in the afternoon. They crow. They just crow all the time. Just to let you know, for people that are going to Key West and sleep with the windows open, they crow. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I mean, I don't know if I've noticed over the years. I've noticed this just recently in the last few years is that birds, for some strange reason, because when I was living in Orleans, birds at like two, three in the morning will chatter. And it's like, it's two, three in the morning. It's, it's still nighttime. It's still middle of the night. But somehow or another, they're up at, at that time. And they're chattering. They're like, you can hear them tick, talking to each other like a little bit. Anyway, there's some cool facts about daylight savings time. 
Uh, I hope that you're more enlightened than I was before this. Yeah, and I was just looking up there. Yeah, I remember uh, watching one of the Guy Fieri shows where he was in Key West, and he asked that specific question, what's with all the effing chickens? (laughs) 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 And it's the same thing in uh, Maui. No, same thing in Kauai, in Hawaii. There's chickens everywhere. They're gorgeous, but they're noisy, and they crow all the time. Oh, God. It's a thing. It's not a bad thing. So the suggestion is to close your window, not keep your window open. Or just, or get drunk. Or drink some more drinks. There we go. Or drink some more Blue Fusions. There you go. There you go. So anyways, yes, we gave you guys some information on Daylight Savings Time. We gave you guys two recipes, a Craig's Creation Blue Fusion, a pina, sorry, a pain colada. I was going to say pina colada. A pain colada, which is a a spinoff of a painkiller. Some information about the painkiller. We're going to give you guys all kinds of links. So let's see everybody who we are. We are www.tikicentricata.ca. Or .com. There we go. And on that page, we'll give you guys all the information for this, all the recipe, all the links for it. Also, too, uh, there's Mark Adventures, of course, on there. Pretty soon, we'll have Paula's Adventures when she gets back with tons of information for us. Lots of research she's doing. <laughs> I'm going to be so jealous listening to Paula's Adventures. Paula's Adventures. Yeah. Mark's like, damn, I'm out of a job now. <laughs> You're going to have to go do some research, Mark. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research. Here we go. Anyways, yeah. So, yes, there is Mark Adventures on there. There's also an episode of Recipe Page. So, please do check out the Recipe Page during the summertime. There's tons of stuff on there for you guys. I always get asked all the time, what drinks should I have during the summertime? What kind of ones can I make? They're quick and easy and fast. Go check it out yourself. Uh, we do have a subscribe page. So, please do subscribe to our show. Please subscribe. Yeah, so I can actually uh, fund myself to go Hawaii, but since I'm the only crew member not going to Hawaii, wah, 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 wah. Uh, don't have a sad face. Just do it. There we go. I'll just be your personal uh, you know, assistant. There we go. My, my valet. Your valet. I have to carry his luggage on the plane, folks. I'm sorry. He's, uh, he's old, so uh, he needs some help. There we go. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so, folks, uh, yes, do check out our subscribe page. Uh, check out our cool links page. Tons of stuff on there as well. Uh, yes, and thank you for listening to this episode and stay tuned to the next one. See ya! Right. Aloha! Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed. Guys! Hey, guys! Where's my drink? There you go. You're frozen in my world. Yeah, but can you hear my voice, though, at least? I can hear your voice now if you keep talking. Okay. (laughs) All right. Ready to go? Sure, why not? As long as you can hear me, okay. I can hear you just fine. All right, then I'll get closer to the mic.